0: Rumpole and the Way Through the Woods by John Mortimer, adapted by Richard Stoneman, starring Julian Ryan tutt as
1: Horace Rumpole.
2: There are, Rumpole. <laughs> and I gather you lost your nasty assault in Clerkenwell.
3: <sighs>
2: what? You heard about that? Henry told Sam Ballard, who told me in Philly, and Liz Probert, who told Henshaw, White and Grimble.
1: Look, the judge thought my client was an unreliable witness and made sure the jury shared his view. Uh, but, in your opinion, was your client guilty. guilty or not guilty? As I've told you on numerous occasions, my opinion as to my client's guilt is completely irrelevant. Well, I know that's what
2: you always say, Rumpel, but what do you actually think? I think... Mm. I think there's a wrist hole in
1: the Gloucester Road with my name on it. Thank
2: you for the Beaujolais. It's Burgundy. Love the Portia. It's Philida.
1: I approached Froxbury Mansions with the faltering determination of a dying bedouin crawling towards an oasis. All I wanted was my armchair beside the gas fire and a little piece in which to watch people in trouble on the television news. But it was not to be. When I entered the living room, the lights were off. I heard the sound of heavy breathing. The heavy breathing turned into the sort of dark and distant rumble which precedes the arrival of an underground train. I flicked on the light, and there it was. A long-legged, overweight hound sprawled across my armchair. It was awake now, staring at me with wide-open, moist black eyes. Hilda! Hilda, there's a stray dog in the living room.
4: That's not a stray dog. That's the Lancelot. That's your name, isn't it, darling? Shall
1: we call the police? Why? To have it removed.
4: Have you removed Sir Lancelot? Oh, what a silly husband I've been, haven't I? Was Rumpole doing something to annoy you, Sir Lancelot?
1: I was trying to budge him off my chair.
4: I think we might make that his chair, Rumpole, until he settles in. Settles in? What
1: do you mean, settles in?
4: (sighs) Sir Lancelot belongs to Dodo Mackintosh. She brought him up from Cornwall on her way to the ferry. What ferry? Dodo's going to Brittany to stay with Pegsy Throng. Throng? Pegsy Throng. She was at school with me and Dodo. Uh. Dodo couldn't take Sir Lancelot to see Pegsy uh. because of the silly quarantine business. I blame the French. For everything. Oh. Come and have your in our Rumpel. And after that, you can take him out on the lead to do his business. Oh, for goodness sake. It'll be a chance for the two of you to get to know each other. I don't want
1: to know a dog. I've quite enough company with a wife and a child. <laughs> Talking of whom, where's Nicholas?
4: Oh, he's playing with his new friends in 23A. When's oh. he
1: coming home? We're halfway through The Hound of the Baskervilles.
4: Oh, not that awful book again. Nicholas finds it very tedious. What? He told me he has no idea who anyone is. Anyway, he'll probably stay the night with the Pettigrews.
1: No bedtime story?
4: Not from you. Don't look so disappointed, Rumpel. You have a new companion to play with.
1: It was the dock that prompted She Who Must Be Obeyed to reserve a room in a small hotel in the Cotswolds. Hilda said she thought Sir Lancelot deserved a breath of country air. I don't understand why we had to leave Nicholas in London.
4: He didn't want to come. The Pettigrews are taking Nicholas to the zoo. I
1: could have taken him to the zoo.
4: No, you'd have talked about it, then read the Times and dozed off for the entire afternoon. Oh,
1: goodness sake. Ugh. Does Sir Lancelot actually need us to stand here watching him run around like an imbecile?
4: Of course we have to be here, Rumpole. But you know nothing about dogs.
1: Hm. Well, I know they're not supposed to chase sheep around a field.
4: Oh, good Lord. Hey, you there!
1: Can't you keep your dog under control? Oh, God, it's some kind of farmer. Lancelot, um, stop that right now.
4: Come here, darling. There's a the good boy.
1: I'm so sorry. I'm afraid the animal won't listen to reason.
4: What is his name? A no, sir
0: Lancelot! Lancelot, come here, sir. Here, now. Sit, sit,
1: stay. Dodo's stupid dog stood still and came to its senses. The farmer turned and looked me in the face.
0: My God, it's Horace Rumpole. Rollo,
1: Rollo Ellis. Rollo Ellis had been a pretty effective prosecuting counsel when I was merely a white wig. In the middle of his legal career, Rollo inherited an estate and a good deal of money from an uncle he left the busy world of the old bailey for the damp Cotswold fields, where he was now a gentleman farmer, master of foxhounds, and chairman of the bench.
0: Well, why don't you come out to the house and have a stiff drink,
1: eh? Over a large whiskey in front of a log fire, Rollo insisted that I, she who must be obeyed, and he who refuses to obey me, should spend the night in Wayleave Manor. Drinks were followed by dinner with a cross-section of the Cotswolds' hunting community. I was bombarded by questions about family law from a woman called Patsy Fothergill.
3: If a woman refuses to be divorced, can a judge order some kind of separation? I mean, the husband can't be forced to stay forever with a wife he no longer loves. Hmm. Can he?
1: Well, now, there's a the question. A man called Johnny Logan got rather tight and kept whispering to me about our host.
0: He's extremely uh, attractive to the ladies. (laughs) Extremely attractive. He'd he'd never leave, Dorothy. (laughs) I'd put money on that. (laughs) you understand what I'm saying, Mr (laughs) Rumpole?
1: I had no response to offer, but given how drunk Mr Logan was, I doubted he'd remember our conversation in the morning. And what a morning it was. Cold and sunny, bright and breezy. The local hunt had gathered in the front driveway of Wayleave Manor. And Sir Lancelot was shivering with excitement, as if delightedly aware that something, somewhere, was about to be killed.
4: Rumpel, give Lancelot some of your pork pie.
2: Why should I? It's delicious.
4: Oh. Hello, Horace, Hilda. Oh, good morning, Roland.
0: Sorry, I missed your breakfast. Had to get kitted out, settled up, check the hounds and the servants. Oh,
4: oh it really is a wonderful sight, so English.
0: Toffs of play, marvels.
4: Is that your lovely wife on the pie horse by the gate?
0: Oh, uh, yes. Dorothea still loves to hunt. despite looking ghastly job.
4: And
3: here's Patsy. Good morning. Have you seen we have visitors, Master? Uh,
0: yes, uh, the saboteurs. Uh, yes, I've warned them to give off my land. What saboteurs, are you talking about? New breed of vermin, Horace. They don't like us hunting, so they started to get in the way of various meets up and down the country.
4: Wait, Wabble. Stomaville.
1: of I might take to Lancelot for a walk. Uh,
4: you go ahead. I'm, I'm going to find a tiny glass of
1: As I approached the front gate, I could see a rusty old van parked on the road. On it were placards posted with such messages as Stop Animal Murder and Hunt for Hunters. A small group of young men and women stood around the van. A young woman in a tweed skirt was deep in conversation with a tall man wearing a red shirt.
3: Does it give you a thrill, killing a little furry animal? I get a bigger thrill killing a beast like you. Move out of my way.
2: Why don't you make me?
3: With pleasure. Come on, Chestnut.
1: First
3: time? First time? Patsy, no! You've been
1: sticking my nose in. You what? I'm afraid this horse is about to run you over. You're going to get hurt. Yeah, that's the idea. So why don't you come and stand over here with me? With me and my dog. Hey, careful you don't get killed today.
3: What's that supposed to mean?
0: One of you's going to die. For all the animals you've killed, one of you is going to die. Move on, Patsy! Everybody, keep moving!
1: After the hunt had disappeared from view and the saboteur's van had spluttered down the road in pursuit, I walked the dog up the drive to join Hilda in Wayleave Manor. We waited for a taxi that would take us to the station and home to Froxbury Mansions.
0: The... That
1: evening, I seized possession of my armchair from Sir Lancelot, who moved reluctantly to the sofa and fell asleep, exhausted by the day's excitement. She, who must be obeyed, was cremating some chops in the kitchen.
0: Hilda! Hilda! Shh, sh- rumble!
4: You'll wake the lancelot.
1: Oh, I'm uh. so sorry. I just wondered if Nicholas might be joining us for supper.
4: Oh, I doubt it. He says Mrs. Pettigrew is a wonderful cook, much better than me. No. Really? Apparently, last week, she made a creme brulee. shh. Sh-
1: sh- look at the news. Body. Can you turn it up, the please? This woman has not
0: yet officially been identified by the police, but was named by members of the public as Mrs. Mm-hmm. Dorothea oh. Ellis. What's happened? Her body was found <clears> in <throat> woods not far from her home in Wayleaf by a group of <sighs> ramblers. It is believed that Mrs. Oh. Ellis had been riding with the local hunt at the time of her death, which the police are treating Stop. as highly suspicious. In other news,
1: what the viewers did not learn at that point was that Dorothea Ellis had galloped down a woodland track, ridden into a high wire stretched tight between two trees and nearly had her head sliced off. One of the anti-hunt saboteurs, a Mr Dennis Pearson, was helping the police with their inquiries. Bumpo! No! Oh, oh, trying to give me a heart attack? What have you been up to? Isn't
5: it obvious? Erskine Brown told me that you were seen the other day entering this toilet facility with a bowl, which you filled with water. Mm. There was one single word written in large letters on that chipped enamel bowl. Mm. Water? Dog.
2: I have proof. I have proof. Oh, yes, do come in, Erskine Brown. Look at my trousers, Rumpel. Very smart. They have a hole. Really? Can you guess what's coming through that hole? Well, uh... Blood! I've been bitten by the dog in your room. No. You must have scared him. Scared who, Rumble? Um... Sir Lancelot. Sir Lancelot? A vicious wild animal with sharp fangs and, in all probability, rabies. Now, be ridiculous. He's completely harmless. I'm fond of dogs myself, Rumpel, but we can't have pets in equity court. Especially not ones that attack members without provocation. I'm sorry, but Sir Lancelot will have to go.
1: No, not until the matter has been properly decided by a full chambers meeting.
5: I shall call one as a matter of urgency. Come, Erskine Brown, you can help me draft the agenda. <laughs> The question we must ask ourselves, having read and digested our bundles, is simply this. Do we really want a mongrel taking up residence in four equity court? A point of order. Point of order. Oh, please, please, be quiet. No, no. The chair
4: recognises Mrs Erskine-Brown. If it pleases the court, uh, the meeting, may I just raise the question of how to define a mongrel? I don't believe it's been written down explicitly in any chamber's regulations that I've seen. It wasn't that long ago that women were deemed unsuitable tenants here. Nothing was ever spelled out in black and white. But every male member of chambers knew and agreed that females should be turned away. Are we now saying that dogs should also be rejected without formal written reasons? Oh, for heaven's sake, Let let us speak,
1: let us speak. It's about time that other people, not just me, stood up for the rights of our four-legged friends. Despite the intervention of the Porsche of our chambers, the vote went against me and Sir Lancelot. I was given 24 hours to evict the poor mutt from my room. I took him to Pomeroy's on the way home and hid him under a table in the corner as I consumed a consoling glass of Chateau Fleet Street. I'm
4: so sorry, Mr Rumpole.
1: Oh, Portia, please join us.
4: I don't think your dog likes me very much. No,
1: he's just wary of strangers. Once he gets to know you, he'll cover you with saliva.
4: But he won't get to know me now he's been banned from equity court.
1: Uh, He would have loved the opportunity to have seen much more of you in chambers, as would I, but you're hardly ever there.
4: The twins, Mr. Rumpole. Tristan and Isolde have been ah. keeping me busy at home. But I'm coming back to work full-time pretty soon, even though Claude isn't very good. Oh, there then. you are, Philip. <clears throat> Come on, we're going to be late.
3: It's the
2: most see that tonight. What about Tristan and Isolde? Oh, we're that next week. No, I mean, who's looking after your twins? Oh, so we have a girl to help us now. She lives in the box room at the top of the house. She's from Sweden. Ingrid. I don't find her in the least bit physically attractive.
1: I'm very glad to hear it.
2: Though she does have this habit of wearing just a short, toweling robe and giving the children a bath and putting them to bed. Claude.
1: I put my own child to bed. And I'm going to be late for that if I don't head off now. So I will say good night. Enjoy the Wagner. Uh, Mr. Rumpole. Mrs. Erskine Brown.
4: Don't forget your dog.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean he's not here?
4: He's staying the night with the Pettigrews.
1: Again? Has Nicholas, in fact, moved out? Has he been adopted by these people I've never met?
4: You did meet them. I introduced you in the stairwell just before
1: Christmas. I have no recollection.
4: Of course, because they have no professional value. What? You have no friends, Rumpel. You only spend time with colleagues Mm. from work, with clients, with instructing solicitors... (sighs) You have no one you actually like. Not
1: true. Only this evening I was enjoying a convivial drink. With? With, with Erskine Brown. Uh, Claude. My friend Claude.
4: <laughs> you can't stand the man. He tried to have you disbarred. No, it it's
1: just his little joke. And Philida was there.
4: She's not a friend. She's a woman.
1: Is she? I hadn't noticed.
4: Name a male friend. Sam Bollard. The man who forced you to evict poor Sir Lancelot after turning the rest of Equity Court against you? How
1: do you know about that?
4: It's mentioned in the Evening Standard, Londoner's Diary. No. (coughs) Here. Uh, Should dogs be called to the bar? The question was hotly debated in the chambers of Samuel Ballard, QC, Mm. when Claret-tippling Old Bailey Horse Rompole argued for the admittance of a pooch, Mm. extravagantly named Sir Lancelot. Rompole lost his case, but then he's long been known as a champion of the underdog.
1: Oh, good gracious. Did they spell my name correctly? Oh,
4: Ron
3: Paul.
1: My name, spelled quite correctly, featured in one or two other rags that week, gaining me an unfounded reputation as an animal lover. But in any case, Dodo soon returned from Brittany and took her dog back with her to Cornwall. Sir Lancelot gave me an affectionate nuzzle as Dodo led him away from Froxbury mansions, and I have to confess, I felt a tear in my eye. The next day, houndless and briefless, I wandered aimlessly into chambers.
5: Ah, oh, there you are, Rumpole. Have you spoken to Henry? About what? You and I are again one another, in Gloucester. Gloucester? Henry will tell you all about it. Seems that peace in the standards got us a bit of work. The hunting saboteurs seem to think you're on their side, so you're defending. And the pro-hunt people see me as some kind of animal hater, so I'm prosecuting.
1: Prosecuting? Prosecuting who?
5: Dennis Pearson, the man accused of murdering Mrs. Dorothea Ellis.
1: I took a train to Gloucester, where I met my client in a cell in the city's ancient prison.
5: Hey there,
0: you got half an hour.
1: The last time I had seen Dennis Pearson, he'd been wearing a red shirt and telling the hunt that one of them was about to die. So, I heard you fought for a dog at your place of work? Yes, but I lost. important thing you fought, the struggle's what counts. Luckily for Dennis, and for me, capital punishment had been suspended by the government for five years, so my client wasn't going to hang, no matter how I performed. But still, Dennis was looking at a very long stretch if found guilty, so I was determined he would not be. I rummaged in my papers and produced the most important witness statement. From Patricia Fothergill. Now, Patsy... That is what she calls herself. Patsy is going to say that she saw a man in a red shirt in the driveway of Wayleaf Manor. She heard you shouting, and I heard what you said to her, so it's going to be a little difficult if you deny it. I meant every word. Well, here comes the interesting bit. At about one o'clock in the afternoon of the day before the hunt, she'd been out for a hack and was riding home past Fallows Wood. That's where Dorothea Ellis met her death. Uh She says she saw a man in a red shirt coming out of the wood, carrying what looked like a coil of wire. Uh, I didn't think much of it at the time. I thought he had something to do with the telephone or the electricity. I'm sure he was the same man I saw the meet, the man who was shouting. We can obviously challenge that identification. It was too far away. She was on a horse. Lots of men have red shirts, that sort of thing. No, 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 no. But, but, in this next statement... Detective Constable Armstead says he searched the van in which you were travelling and he found a coil of wire of exactly the same make and thickness as that which was stretched across the path and between the trees in Fallows Wood. Now, did you know that there was wire in the van? Maybe. Right. Did you know that exactly the same wire was used for the death trap in Fallows Wood? Maybe. Maybe. When did you arrive in Whaley village? We'd come up in the morning before the hunt we were staying with Janet Freebody she lives in Wayleaf teaches at the primary school mm-hmm. Right. where was the van parked? in front of Janet's house all day and all night mm-hmm. from when? don't know Eleven thirty, eleven forty-five in the morning mm-hmm. and was the van locked when it was parked there? maybe maybe not I see. Well, there's something I should tell you. I know Rollo Ellis quite well. I met him when he was a barrister in London. And I will have to tell him I'm defending the man accused of murdering his wife. Now, if you don't want me to represent you, I quite understand. No, no. I'd like you to carry on with the case, Mr. Rumpole. I don't think
0: I'll cause you much trouble.
1: Oh, why is that? Well, you see... I did it. On the train back to London, I wondered why Dennis had lied to me, for I truly believed he wasn't telling the truth when he confessed. But either way, I wouldn't now be able to call him in court to deny the charge. As I sat in chambers, I lit a small cigar and opened a volume of police photographs. I felt completely alone in the defence of Dennis Pearson, who didn't even want to be defended. I hurried past the mortuary shots of Dorothea and her fatal injuries and got to a picture of a path through trees. It was a narrow strip, hardly wide enough for two people to pass in comfort, so the beech trees on either side were not much more than six feet apart. A closer shot showed the wire stretched between nails driven into the trees. I marched along the corridor to beard Bollard in his lair. I say, Ballard. What about you and I popping down to the scene of the crime tomorrow at the Cotswolds? There was once a road through the woods. Was
5: there? Don't know about that, but I wouldn't mind a day in the country. Might uh, have to bring someone with me there.
1: Yeah. A pupil? A white wig? Not exactly. <laughs> What's the name of the dog? <laughs> Burn the dead. And why exactly is she here? Belongs to a friend. <laughs> What's the name of the friend? If you must
5: know, it's Mrs. Plumstead. Mrs. Plumstead? The matron of the bailey. Maty? The widow Plumstead? The old darling who dishes out aspirins and plasters? The senior medical officer? You're yes. stepping out with Maty? We've been uh, seeing quite a lot of each other. And when I can, I exercise her schnauzer. I bet you do. I thought if I brought Bernadette to the Cotswolds, I might earn some extra
1: brownie points. Yes. Free aspirins and plasters for life. At the scene of the crime, Bernadette went bounding off into the undergrowth While Bollard and I stood with the detective inspector in charge of the case The footpath used a lot Did you ever find that out, Inspector?
0: Ramblers use it It was ramblers that found Mrs Ellis So people don't ride down here very much? Not a lot, no You'd have to be a good horseman to jump that
1: he pointed to a stile at the end of the narrow track.
5: Bernadette, come here! Oh, God, what's she got now? It's a horseshoe.
1: Drop it, drop it, Bernadette. Good girl, good girl. Hmm. Inspector, can we have a note made of exactly where that horseshoe was discovered?
5: I don't see what it can possibly prove. It might have dropped off any horse at any time. Well,
1: let's just make a note. We'll think about what it proves later.
5: Horace! Is that you?
0: Rollo. Hello. I heard the police were back here. Couldn't think why.
1: We were having a look at the locus in quo. Uh, Do you know Sam Ballard?
0: Yes, I think we met a couple of times, uh, many years ago. My condolences, Mr. Ellis. Thank you.
1: Mr. Ballard is appearing for the prosecution. And I, um, well, I I am defending the man who is alleged to have killed your wife. Do you mind?
0: That he killed my wife?
1: That I'm defending him.
0: Oh, it's, uh, it's in the best traditions of the bar. You've got your job to do. And I've no doubt justice will be done.
4: <laughs> oh, Nicholas looks so smart in his uniform. He went to
1: school already. He didn't say goodbye.
4: The pettigrews were waiting. They're very kind to take him in their car.
1: Perhaps I'll see Nicholas at supper tonight.
4: Oh. Well, that depends what time you stagger home from Pomeroy's. Yes, actually, I,
1: I, I might be rather late. I have a, a trial, an important trial coming up. Needs quite a bit of preparation.
4: How many bottles of preparation? Two, three?
1: It's a murder down near Gloucester. Oh, really?
4: Oh. Who got murdered there?
1: Um, if you remember, it's um, Dorothy Ellis, Mrs. Rollo Ellis, as was. I'm defending one of the Hunt saboteurs. You're not! mm mm-hmm.
4: Can you imagine what Rollo's going to say when he finds out about this?
1: He knows. He said it was in the best traditions of the bar.
4: Those saboteurs. What do they know about hunting? hmm? Dodo says it keeps her community together. And who does it harm no one?
1: I'm not sure the foxes would agree.
4: Foxes have to be killed. Their numbers have to be controlled.
1: It's not for me to judge the rights and wrongs of hunting.
4: But you're defending a man who's trying to destroy the countryside.
1: No, no, I am defending a man accused of murder.
4: Did he do it, yes or no?
1: For what it's worth, and it's worth very little, I would say he's innocent. Hmm.
4: Why do you think he's innocent?
1: Because he told me he was guilty. But you see, I don't believe him.
4: He told you he was guilty, and you're still defending the brute. Is that in the best traditions of the bar?
1: Well, only just.
4: And if someone murdered me, I suppose you would happily defend them. (laughs)
1: I knew that, for many days to come, the flat in Froxbury Mansions would be locked in the icy silence of the tomb. And so it was quite a relief to potter down to Gloucester Assizes, where my so-called Head of Chambers greeted me warmly in the robing room and made a surprising announcement.
5: Ah, Rumpel! Now, I'm not alone, Rumpole. I've brought Bernadette with me, and she'll stay for the duration of the
1: trial... Hmm. I'm not sure the judge will take Kine into the presence of a dog in his courtroom.
5: No, no, she'll be asleep in my car when we're actually sitting. I'll take her for walkies when we rise for luncheon. And uh, I'm hoping this won't take very long. Is there any chance your client might plead guilty? Of course I'm pleading
1: guilty, Mr. Rumpole. I am guilty i punish that bitch for what she did to innocent animals. No, 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 you don't want to say that. And, and you won't be doing your movement much good by pleading guilty straight away. What do you mean? Well, a guilty plea at the outset. The whole thing will be over in 20 minutes. The animal murderers, as you call them, won't even have to go into the witness box, let alone face cross-examination. <laughs> will anyone know the details of the hunt? Certainly not. Do you want publicity for this new cause of yours? Of course you do. Plead guilty now and you'll be lucky to get a single paragraph on page two. At least let's get the front page for a day or two. Hmm? What do you say? Eh? <music> My client didn't have long to decide. Within minutes we found ourselves up before the Welsh windbag, Mr Justice Gwent Evans, as the clerk read out the indictment.
0: Dennis Pearson you are accused of the murder of Dorothy Alice on the 16th of February, Fallowswood, Wyleif in the county of Gloucester. Do you plead guilty or not guilty? She is the guilty one,
2: my lord. The woman who revelled in the
5: oh,
0: death. Oh, Mr.
2: Rumpole, will you please control your client? Uh, I'm afraid it's not the easiest of tasks, my lord. Easy or not? Your primary job here is to control your client. I don't want to hear a long speech from the dock. Uh, then may
1: I make a suggestion, my lord? Why not enter a plea of not guilty and then my learned friend, Mr. Ballard, can get on with opening his When well, I want
2: your advice, Mr. Rumpole, I'll ask for it. Members of the jury. We don't want Mr Pearson, the defendant over there, we, we, we don't want him to give us a lecture, do we? So what we're going to do is to take it, he's pleading not guilty, and then ask Mr Ballard to get on with opening the case for the prosecution.
1: Oh, I'm much obliged, my lord. I sat quietly after that, listening to Soapy Sam as he went through most of the facts. The first witness was a rambler who had been met with the ghastly spectacle of a woman almost decapitated lying among the brambles of fallows wood the next witness a hunt servant said the victim's horse still had all its shoes when it was taken home and then we came to johnny logan the drunken guest of the dinner party attended by me and she who must mr logan you have told the court that you saw the saboteur's van at various points during the day did you ever see it near Fallows Wood? No, the hunt didn't go near Fallows Wood. Did you see Mrs
0: Ellis riding away from the hunt? No. Nope. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying she didn't ride away. Uh, we were pretty spread out, and I, I, I fell behind at one point. Did you see anyone else leave the hunt? Uh, I think Patsy Fothergill may have done it at the very end, just before the police arrived to tell us about the, uh, no, the accident. Uh,
1: just one more thing, Mr Logan. Is it correct to say that Mr. Rollo-Ellis was devoted to his wife? Uh, he would certainly
0: never have left her, if that's what you
2: mean.
0: Oh, that's
1: exactly what I mean. Thank you very much.
2: And what are the jury supposed to make of that last question, Mr. Rumpur? They may make of it what they will, my lord, when they are in full possession of
1: the facts. And with that, it was time for lunch. Soapy Sam walked Bernadette twice round the car park, then brought her into the snug of the carpenter's arms, where she munched happily on a packet of pork scratchings. Bollard sipped a tomato juice while I sank a pint of Guinness. i have been looking forward to a holiday with Mrs Plumstead. we have been planning a week on the Isle of Elba, but
5: now it seems likely we'll have to cancel. Oh, is that? We can't find anyone with whom to leave
1: the dog. Couldn't you put her in a kennel? Mrs. Plumstead
5: won't hear it.
1: Oh, dear. I am sorry. Another tomato juice.
5: You were seen, Mr. Rumpole, seen in the pub with that other barrister, drinking, talking, laughing.
1: Yes. But he's the enemy. He is my learned friend. One day he is against me and the next we're on the same side. I don't get you, Mr. Rumpole. Do you actually have any genuine beliefs? As few as possible. Genuine beliefs seem to end up in death threats and stopping other people living as they choose.
2: But you must see that I'm right about this.
1: People shouldn't kill animals for fun. You agree with that, don't you? It doesn't matter if I agree or not.
2: Well, why not? Because you don't believe that animals have rights? Or you you don't believe in anything?
1: I have a duty to prevent the conviction of the innocent. So... If you will allow me to get on with my job, I will see you upstairs. Patsy Fothergill gave her evidence to Bollard with a nice mixture of sadness and eagerness to please. The jury clearly liked her, and Gwent Evans seemed quite smitten. I rose to cross-examine. I see from your witness statement that you call yourself uh, Miss Patsy Fothergill. Why not Patricia?
3: Because I have trouble with my arse. Mm. And I was bullied when I was at school.
2: Which I'm sure wasn't very long ago. Don't you agree, members of the jury? (laughs) Uh, Are you a married woman?
3: Technically speaking, I suppose I am.
1: So, technically speaking, what's your husband's name?
3: Robert Channing.
1: Are you divorced from uh, Mr. Channing?
3: Not quite, but soon.
1: And yet you already call yourself
2: Fothergill.
3: I want you to make a clean break. It's been such an unhappy relationship. Well, surely you
2: can understand that, Mr. Rumpole. Yes, thank you, my lord. Uh, Miss
1: Fothergill, have you now found a new and happier relationship? Oh, that's an embarrassing question, Mr. Uh,
2: Rumpole. Then let me just ask, uh, do you live alone in the village of Wales? No, 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 no. That's also entirely inappropriate. What does it matter if this lady lives alone or not? We'd be obliged, Mr. Rumpole, if you'd move on to something relevant.
1: My lord, I will move on to something very relevant. Do you say you saw a man coming out of Wood carrying wire on the day before the hunt?
3: That's white.
1: What time was that?
3: One o'clock. I just looked at my watch because I was out for a hack and had to be home before two. I saw it was only one o'clock, so I decided to go the long way wound through Plashy Bottom. That's when I saw a man coming out of the wood with a coil of wire.
1: And you saw that man the next day when he was shouting at you?
3: It was the same man, yes.
1: So why didn't you warn everyone in the hunt that you'd seen the man coming out of the wood carrying a coil of wire?
3: I suppose I didn't put two and two together at the time. It was only when I heard that poor joe of fear had been killed by a wire that you realized
2: the significance of what you'd seen yes i think that's very clear anything else mr oppo just this my lord mr johnny logan told us that you left the hunt shortly before
1: the police arrived with the news of mrs ellis's death why
3: why well um my horse had lost its shoe when I only noticed it at the end of the hunt, so I took him home.
1: Ah. Miss Fothergill, were you riding with Mrs Ellis in Fallows Wood on the day before she met her death?
3: No, of course I wasn't. Ridiculous question.
1: My lord, I call on my learned friend, Mr Ballard, to admit that a horseshoe was found by Inspector Palmer near to the stile in Fallowswood.
5: Perfectly true, my lord, though it was found some
2: weeks after Mrs Ellis died, so it might have been dropped by any number of horses at any time. Isn't that so Miss Fothergill?
3: You're absolutely white, your lordship.
1: I came out of court frustrated, despondent, and destined for a verdict of guilty. Not even a pint of Guinness could refresh my optimism. I was just starting to see if a second pint might help when I was joined at my table by one of the Anti-Hunt Brigade.
4: Mr Rumpole. Hello. May I talk to you? Indeed. My name's Janet Freebody.
1: Hello, Miss uh, Freebody. Please, take a seat. She was the tweed-skirted schoolteacher who lived in the village of Wayleave. She seemed nervous.
4: I mustn't stay long, and they mustn't see me.
1: Uh, they being? The
4: other Sabs. They wouldn't like me telling you this.
1: Telling me what?
4: Well, wasn't it supposed to be one o'clock that Dennis was seen coming out of the wood carrying some wire?
1: Well, that's what Patsy said.
4: He wasn't carrying any wire at one o'clock. He wasn't in the wood. He was in bed, Mr. Rumpole. With me.
1: I see. Thank you for telling me that. But... Would you be willing to repeat it in front of the jury? As Janet thought about that, I bought her a drink and then it all came out. She once had an affair with Dennis, who'd left the unlocked van outside Janet's front gate while they made love for hours and hours in her cottage in the village. Janet's not going to say that.
2: Not in court. Hmm? in
1: front of the judge yes she is Dennis she's going to risk upsetting all the parents at her school and the headmaster and possibly lose her job just to give you an alibi I'm I'm not going to let her stop playing the martyr stop pretending to be a murderer yes you can shout bloodthirsty threats and work yourself into a fury against toffs on horses as much as you like but the fact is you did not kill Dorothea Ellis you can't prove it well I don't have to prove it that's not my job well, what is your job? Because, frankly, I'm confused. You won't do what I'm asking. I won't let you confess to something you didn't do. But why not? Because someone else did it. Who? Oh, come on, Dennis. Isn't it obvious? <laughs> Hurry up, Rumpole. It's curtain up in two minutes. Sorry about lot. stuck in a con with my client. And now I'm serving an alibi notice. Just one witness. You will be a sweetheart and tell Gwent Evans you don't want an adjournment or anything awkward like that. I can't rely on you, can't I? Why on earth should you think you can rely on me? Because if you behave nicely, Hilda and I might see our way to looking after Bernadette while you're on holiday with the widow Plumstead. Well, Horace, that puts an entirely different complexion on the matter. Yeah. Janet Freebody turned out to be a dream witness. Gwent Evans clearly disapproved.
2: Are you in the habit of having sexual intercourse with men at lunchtime? Only when my
4: feelings overcome me, my
1: lord. (laughs) But the jury liked her, and they seemed to enjoy my final speech. What is the single most important fact about this case? It is this. Mrs Ellis met her death half a mile from any point where the hunt had been. Now, if Dennis Pearson intended to kill her how did he lure her away to that remote woodland path how did he organize not only that she should be killed but that she should go far out of her way to meet her death it was impossible for him to do that was it not which means that you must have doubts about the guilt of dennis pearson remember He was seen at various places during the hunt, shouting abuse at the riders, but no one saw him near the path in question. Whoever lured Dorothea Ellis to her death, it certainly wasn't Dennis. If it had been him, if he'd succeeded in making the hunt, follow him towards the wire. The first to be killed wouldn't have been Mrs. Ellis, but the master of the foxhounds, who was leading from the front. But that did not happen. The rest of the hunt went nowhere near that path. Why was it only Mrs Ellis? The prosecution haven't even tried to explain these mysteries, and unless they can, well then you cannot be certain of my client's guilt. The jury were out for an hour and a half, but when they came back, they looked straight at Dennis and said, not guilty. Two people in the public gallery cheered. I moved to the back of the court to congratulate my client as he was released from the dock, but he was hardly overcome with gratitude. You stopped me striking a blow for animal rights, Mr Rumpel. I came prepared to suffer. I wanted to suffer. I apologised for ruining his day by keeping him out of prison for the next 20 years and took myself off to the pub for a reviving pint of stout. I'll, I'll be sitting in the corner, if you could possibly bring it over, with some English mustard. Thank you so much. Uh, excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. Anyone sitting here? Oh. 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 Uh, Horace. Rollo. Uh,
0: uh, I assumed you'd be uh, heading home uh, to uh, to London. Yeah. Soon,
1: soon. Need to catch my breath first.
0: Uh, of course. <laughs> I suppose
1: congratulations are in order. Just doing my job. Doing very well. Thanks. May I join you? Uh, actually, I, I'm waiting for someone. Uh.
3: There was absolutely nowhere to park, so I just... <sighs> oh! Mr Womple! Ah. Awkward.
1: It's perhaps a little foolish to frequent a public bar so close to the courthouse if you're hoping to keep your relationship a secret. <laughs> it's hardly a relationship.
3: We don't have to hide it now, Wallow. The twirl is over. We could tell ever we won.
0: It just seems a little...
3: We're going to get married, Mr Wumpole. as ah. soon as my divorce comes through. Wallow would never have left his wife while she was alive, but now she's dead.
1: we are free to be together at last. Yes. Mm. Which <laughs> is why you killed her. What? You take that back, Rumpel. Mm-hmm. Maybe it wasn't Dennis Pearson, but a hunt saboteur murdered Dorothy. The police just, just got the wrong one. Is that what you really think? Then tell me this. Why did Dorothea ride through Wood? I think you, Patsy, you were riding with her in the hunt, and you said something, probably something intriguing about Rollo, which made her want to know more. But you rode away, and she followed you. And when you got onto the track between the trees, you knew where the wire was, and you ducked. Dorothea was galloping behind. It was a very quick death. You carried on and jumped the stile where your horse lost a shoe.
3: I saw the man with the wire.
1: No, no, the only person who went into the wood with the wire was you. And when you'd done the job, you dumped the coil in the saboteur's van. You knew one of them could be relied upon to threaten the riders. Dennis said exactly what you hoped for.
4: What are you going to do?
1: I'm not going to do anything. And not the police, or the prosecuting authority. What you do now is for you to decide. Rollo? I took my glass of stout to a distant table. As I went, I saw Rollo put his hand on Patsy's and hold it there. Did he not believe in her crime, or was he prepared to live with it? I didn't know, and I couldn't possibly guess. I had left the world of the hunters and those who hunted them, and I never saw Rollo or his wife to be... Again.
4: Mr Rumpole?
1: Oh, no, Mrs Erskine Brown.
4: I was wondering if you'd like to join me for a drink.
1: Just you and me, or will Hubby be joining us?
4: I think Hubby's still in court. He's in the middle of a complicated mortgage fraud. Yeah. He tells me all about it, every evening, in quite some detail. <laughs> what was that? Oh,
1: forgive me. I had a dodgy steak and kidney pud at lunchtime. <sighs> uh, why don't I meet you in Pomeroy's? You go now and I'll catch you up.
2: Oh, there
4: you are for the Oh, Claude.
2: Oh, I was looking in your room.
4: Back from court already?
2: Oh, the judge said he couldn't take any more today. I think my cross-examination of the chartered surveyor really got to the heart of the matter. I'll tell you all about it. What do you say, That's Nothing. What's that bone doing on the floor? But is that a bone? Have you been bringing your dog into chambers again? No. Just because Ballard's on holiday doesn't mean you can flout the rules willy-nilly. No, I'm not flouting anything. It's under the desk. I can no. see the
1: vicious oh, brute. Come,
4: Claude. It's time to go. Yeah.
2: I don't know the last of this. I'm
1: reporting you to Ballard.
4: Please, Claude, tell me all about your cross examination.
3: Oh, yeah, well, it really
1: was quite. Yes, Oh, dear. Really, Bernadette? You're going to get me into trouble. There's a good girl. Would you like a tummy rub? Hmm? I think you would. And what about a little treat for my best friend here? Nay, my only friend again Brothers and sisters I bid you beware of giving your heart to a dog to tear
0: In Rumpole and the Way Through the Woods by John Mortimer Horace Rumpole was played by Julian Ryan-Tutt, Claude Erskine Brown was Nigel Anthony, Hilda, Jasmine Hyde and Rollo Ellis was played by Stephen Critchley Patsy Fothergill was played by Hetty Baines-Russell, Dennis Pearson, Ben Crow, Ballard, Michael Cochran, and Philida was Cathy Say Other parts were played by members of the company. Rumpole and the Way Through the Woods was adapted by Richard Stoneman, directed by Marilyn Imrie, and is a Catherine Bailey production for BBC Radio.
1: And we